Welcome back to the DC Recaps. We are back as a full throttle three-man unit with our pal Vince. Vince, how you feeling? I feel wonderful, and I look like Brad Pitt now. That's good. Hopefully you don't beat your kids like he did. So let's move oh. on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, I'm bringing in some current events. I'm making this a topical podcast. Um, yeah. Anyway, Vince is back. Zach, of course, is here, as always, locking down the low end. And uh, we're going to talk about comics. So comics. first up this week is the uh, the debut of Trinity, written, illustrated, colored by Francis Manipal. Um I don't believe he lettered it. But I believe everything else. He no, took I think that was I think that was Steve Wands. It was Steve Wands, um, the great Steve Wands. Sure, yeah. Um, I was texting with these boys earlier this week, and I said that I felt like this book was just a twenty-page rebuttal against the New Fifty Two. Mm. Do you guys agree with that assessment? Absolutely. Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, um, like. It, it, in just such a positive fact, I mean, twenty pages of positivity, you know. Yes, absolutely. Not, not cynicism, not even like cynicism. Looking back at the new Fifty Two, you know, it's just we're moving forward, you know. Yeah, um, I thought that the so that there's there's one page that opens the book, and then you get three straight two page spread. Sorry, you get two two-page spreads, uh, one of Wonder Woman, one of Batman, and then a couple pages later you get a Superman two-page spread where Manipal essentially takes their logos and uses the logos as the backdrop for the images he's drawing. And those three pages are so unbelievably gorgeous. Like, right there, those pages are worth the price of admission. Would you guys yeah. agree? Yeah. 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 It's It's good stuff. And, like, I was a little worried about this book going in, not artistically, but, like, um, Manipul wrote a couple of those Dark Side War tie-ins that I thought were kind of some of the weaker ones. But this was just, this was just good. Um, And it kind of, there was a theme in this week's books or at least in some of the this week's books, of like just very like small town rural family warmness. Yeah. And like, oh, I just I just ate it up. It was fantastic. You, you and I identify with that, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I'm so I'm the East Coast cynic over here. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. You don't. I have know. I have no family or friends or emotions. I understand. Nah, you're basically Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, oh, the dice man. No, but yeah, um, I can't wait for my career really renaissance good... in thirty years. Um, <laughs> that's a really good point, Zach. And um, and yeah, we'll talk about those other issues. But but um, it was interesting how many books this week were just like breathers to like spend time with the characters and not, you know, not have to worry about a lot of beat em up type stuff, you know? Yeah. Which like, when is the last time that we really got something like that? I don't feel like that happened during the new 52. Well, yeah. I, so I, I have a, I have a theory about this, but let's, let's talk about this issue first and then okay. let's talk about sort of the pacing of the comics right now. 
Um, sure. So I was going to cycle back by saying that Trinity is basically starting off with that kind of an issue. Like this is this is three Justice League members who are friends now, and it's very important that, they, that we know that they're friends. And that they're uh, trying to be friends. Yeah. Like, that the, their friendship means something to them. Right. And they're just eating dinner, you know? <laughs> and that's the issue. And, and I mean, there's lots of stuff, there's lots of stuff packed in there, you know, around the, around the edges, but, but that's the plot of the very first issue of this book. I mean, these are Cape comics that that's kind of bold. That's a bold move for a Cape comic. <laughs> I think it's not something you would have seen in the new 52. No, it's also, you wouldn't have seen a reference to rainbow Batman in the new 52. I don't think that was my favorite page. It's my favorite page of all time. Probably right now. I mean, it's so great. (laughs) Like this, that's like, I mean, this is like Grant Morrison, Batman, you know, like, (laughs) referencing like that's the last time that we've really gotten a like nod to that kind of like goofy silver age mm-hmm. and stuff. i love that bruce was the new 52 reader in yes that scene where he's like, i have no recollection of i that. have no recollection <laughs> yes that was fantastic that was like such a great moment yeah and like just like wonder woman with like carrying the boar into her invisible jet and oh, <laughs> perfect perfect and that invisible jet in this like painterly uh fashion oh, yeah. that, that Manipole does his art in, mm-hmm. that invisible jet looked so cool. Like mm-hmm. just kind of blurring into the into the background. And can we just, just all agree oh, that like the the Superman family dynamic is just the best yes. thing the best. And, and the rebirth? Like yes. and it's in so many books. Like you just think about it. This week it was in Trinity, Superman, Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cornerstone. It's, it's a cornerstone yeah, it's of what been they're action. doing. It's been in. Um, I mean, I guess the, I guess the action is the only other one. Yeah, maybe, but, yeah. but but still, but yeah, like it's a it's a big deal. Yeah, and, and it makes you. For me, it makes me think two things. One, why why didn't they just you know keep going down that trail when you know five six years ago like. Why, why would you throw that away? It's so good. You know, it's like, look what you can do with it. And then second of all, it, to reference action again, why are we even bothering with all this, like, Clark mystery, Clark Kent stuff? Like, right. <laughs> we don't even need that anymore. Like, let's just, let's just keep going with this because it's so good. You know what I just realized, too? Like, starting at that Batman page, so there's Batman pre-New 52 – and then the next page is Superman at the beginning of the New 52. And then the next page is Wonder Woman in Rebirth. So it's kind of like through the three characters that are like chronicling. Wow. Like, that's that's the, actually an mm, excellent point. I didn't yeah. even notice that until like just now. Um, I well think he's doing a lot of stuff here. Yes. Um, it's, it's also summarizing like it also like. It, it spoke about where each of the characters is in Rebirth right now, which is like, um, you know, you, you wonder, you wonder how closely they say that they are, but you wonder how closely everybody's working, you know, like, 
And then you, you see how tight this story is and how it includes everything that's going on outside of it. And you realize that Rebirth is like way tight. Like I don't think I've ever seen a universe this tight. Even going back to like, um, you know, like Infinite Crisis or Countdown era. Mm. I mean, like, the New 52 not... tried, but it wasn't this tight. It wasn't. Well, there was just too much. I felt like I felt like the New 52 tried, and then they dropped that idea in like five or six months. Yeah, this is, maybe. This is I just mean, like, yeah, like you're 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 spot on, Vince, because like the like I love to I I like one of my favorite things to do is like um do like custom comic book binding and like create like runs just because like i i hate how like co- like regular collected editions regular trades like break up stories and i love to just like do it myself and like while i'm reading this i'm thinking like okay how would i like slot like i could put this here and this here and like make a great book you know like mm-hmm. and it all like it does it like it's like and it's, it's not even like there's so much good stuff like i don't even one of the best things about that too is you can like cherry pick issues that don't matter and take stuff out but like everything not everything but like just thinking about like the superman story you know you've got this you've got regular superman you've got um you know just all the books and it's just oh man this is one of the best times to be like a dc reader in a long time yeah probably since like the late aughts you know We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to um, Night of the Monster Men and those mm-hmm. books. Yeah. But DC Rebirth right now, and, and I don't think, I mean, we've we've seen a lot of shit over the last five years, guys. We have. <laughs> we've we've talked about it on the podcast. We've, we've been through some excruciating. We survived Villains event. Month. We survived Villains Month. <laughs> I, Rebirth is giving me that feeling that precious feeling that I felt around um, Streets of Gotham, Gotham City Sirens, um, Blackest Night era, where I was buying damn everything. everything. Yeah. You know, like, here we are again, you know, and, and we'll talk about that more, but I don't say that lightly, you know. You want to know what's really funny, too, about this? Um, it couldn't be any more different than the, like, movie universe but at the same time there's like weird echoes of it because oh yeah like the bruce and diana here could be like gal gadot and ben affleck you know sure like they have that they're like the the pair and superman's kind of the outsider but it's coming from a totally different direction yeah Yeah. and just a totally different tone yeah i mean it's a worn out trope by now to say that that like hope is what the DC movies are missing, but it is. It's it's obvious, you know. Mm-hmm. It just just three characters sitting around a table, uh, you know. And and Batman can still be a grump. Like Bruce can still be a grump, but like again, in one of the later books, uh, Superman comes to help Bruce and. Uh, and he says, you know, what? why don't you let me know next time before you come, you yeah. know. But he's got a smirk on his face while he says it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, they shouldn't hate one another. I mean, this, is, this goes without saying. 
uh, guys, this book bowled me over. Yeah, this might be my favorite single issue of Rebirth so far. Just like conceptually, I, I thought it was great in practice, but there's just something about the 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 idea that like, all right, we're gonna launch this new book. It's gonna have our three premier characters on in it, and it's gonna be about how important it is that they're friends. Yeah, the, like the title is of the arc is better together. Yeah, like, which is also a Jack Johnson song, I think. Oh, it is. Really. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that reminds me. This is a total, total tangent. I'm going to derail us. But um, I was at a wedding this past weekend, and um, over many drinks, I got into a conversation with a friend who had a theory that banana pancakes is about uh, a man holding a, a woman hostage and, and constantly feeding her banana pancakes and telling her it's the weekend, just constantly. No, it's just the weekend. <laughs> I like that. It went really far. Um, wow. Curious George got involved. Sure, um, yeah. yeah. It went really, really far. Wow. And you were and you were already talking about Jack Johnson, so you're already down in a in a well. We were in a weird place already. <laughs> yeah. Man. You know what the worst the worst wedding uh song I've ever heard played at a wedding was uh Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. Oh that is a pretty terrible song. To <laughs> I can't I can't I mean that's the worst I've ever heard, and I'm not sure I can even imagine a worse one. Oh okay, what what's worse? <laughs> we'll get back to comics in a second, guys. Uh what's worse? Tears in Heaven, or the 1997 Candle in the Wind, Goodbye England's Rose. <laughs> yeah, I guess those are like the same. They, they would be like the same to me. Same effect. Same effect, okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so anyway, I, I, I presume we're all pulling this book, right? Yeah. So hard. Yeah. It's this so is, great. This is like, this feels... I'm kind of glad that this is coming towards the end of like the initial rebirth launch rather than the beginning. I feel like because this, I'm, this feels like it, it, the kind of like the foundation, the cornerstone. And it just kind of like solidifies everything that's come so far, you know, like this is the it logical, needed, it needed some stuff to build on to like reference exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this would have been less impactful without four months of stories mm -hmm. and it yeah. really feels like the like quality high profile book that that can kind of be the flagship almost yeah it's almost like a um so how long have we been at this now three Since months beginning of june yeah yeah so it's almost like a three-month reassurance that, like, look, we're serious about this. Like, right? You know, every everything that you saw these last three months, it's the foundation for what we're actually doing going forward. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it speaks to like actual, you know, like intelligent design here of you know, like someone obviously thought gave enough thought to realize like hey this book needs to come later not at the mm -hmm. beginning because right. it seems like the obvious book to lead with you know oh yeah um which just kind of like reassures me even more yeah def absolutely and now that you say that that makes me even more interested about teen titans which i think we get the first one next week yes right is that yeah. right first so 
Um, yeah, that's right. That that's got me interested about about that approach and why it's taken three months to get that book out. And uh, true. And kind of how quiet Damien's been relatively lately. You know, like it makes mm-hmm. it makes me think because the, this is another one of their big cornerstones as far as legacy goes. And so it makes me think that that's going to be another book, hopefully, that like doubles down and says like, look, we. We promised that the Justice League would represent hope, you know, and you saw that in Trinity. Here's Teen Titans. This is legacy, you know, and and it's it's gonna feel good and 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 take steps forward, you know, because we kind of we've been promised that we've been we've been getting little bits and pieces throughout the books, you know, but we haven't seen it in full action yet. Uh, that aspect of Rebirth. So, mm-hmm. um. I can't wait to hit the ground running on that. Are you guys ready for me to bring the mood down a little bit here? Um. What? Clayman is drawing issue number four of Trinity. Oh. Huh. Oh, <laughs> Clayman. <laughs> I was like, I thought Clayface. Yeah. Yes. When you yes. said that, I was a like, fictional character what? Clayface. No. No. I, I just mean like. <laughs> that <doesn't make> sense. <laughs> that's the one downfall of having Matapal in this book is that. Yeah. But I mean, Clay Man isn't a a bad artist. No, I, not at I all. I like it, his stuff. It's just that um, I I sort of love the idea of there being an auteur comic book out there mm-hmm. where just one guy is controlling it. But the problem is, unless Manipul started on this like nine years ago, he's never going to be on time. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, un- unless you make it so that he doesn't have to be on time, but that's not you know that's not DC's style. It's not, and that's not comics anymore. Period. You know, that's not uh, Marvel or DC. Yeah. Man, I really do hope, though, like, I feel like this is less likely. You said he's doing issue three? Issue four. Issue and, four. And that's the that's part four of this storyline. Oh, that's a bummer. That's what I was going to say. I yeah. wish that they would, like, keep them in contained arcs. Like, that bothers me to begin with when you have multiple artists on an arc. But, like, when it's some – when it's, like, two artists with, like, such distinctly different styles, I feel like that, like, practically begs you to – tailor the arcs to the artist you know yeah i mean you can make it work in for story reasons maybe there's some kind of like tone shift or you know something that happens in story but uh, that kind of bumps me out a little bit yeah i yeah you know i count i count us lucky that manipul works as fast as he does actually because if you think about like when he was drawing uh john's flash run you know, oh, yeah, how like severely delayed that got. Yeah, but 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 he put a lot more issues out in a row than I thought he would. Yeah, like his style of art tends to <clears throat> tends to end up in delays. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think he's faster than you know the average person that draws in that style. Yeah. I mean, how weird is it seeing just one name on a cover? Oh, it's odd. It, it, yeah. Yeah. That's great, though. I mean, that's, absolutely. Yeah. I almost wish that they could have structured this so that it would be four issues on, six months off. Four issues on. Because I feel like this book could be just that check-in with the Trinity twice a year. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. It's, again, that's not comics today. But like no. how Magnolia, how Mike Manila was doing Hellboy in Hell, mm-hmm. how like he would do an arc when he was ready to do an arc. Yeah, I would honestly kind of love that. But that's mm. okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, the other debut this week is the long discussed but finally out Raven huh. miniseries written by Marv Wolfman, illustrated by uh, what's what's this guy's first name? It's Allison Borges. Oh, it's Allison Borges. Isn't there a is there a male Borges artist as well? I think there is. Uh, yeah. I yes. Think, I think yeah. there is, but it is think. Allison Borges. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the history behind this book is a little bit funny. Last year at New York Comic Con, DC announced eight miniseries, uh, four or five of which became four of which I believe came became Legends of Tomorrow, the anthology book, and then there's the Poison Ivy miniseries, the Katana miniseries that became part of the Suicide Squad Most Wanted, and the Swamp Thing series. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the last one to come out. This has been rumored for a long time. I, I've, I've told this story on the podcast before, but the night of the New 52's launch, Dan DiDio was at my local comic shop, and he was kind of doing an impromptu Q&A outside, and there was a very enthusiastic Teen Titans fan there. Uh, not me, by the way, somebody else, who was like flipping out that Raven wasn't part of the Teen Titans initial lineup. Or was she? I no 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 because didn't she come in with um like didn't Beast Boy show up later too? Yeah, but I think she might have been there for the meeting. Anyway, they were just talking about the import- She had that weird redesign. Yeah. But I can't remember when she Who came didn't. Out. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, but the, Who this, Yeah. But this fan was very upset about what he felt was Raven being slighted. And the deal was like, uh don't worry next year Raven miniseries. <laughs> You're going to love the writer. And so I feel like that's like, I feel like this is that series he was talking about in 2011 about coming out in 2012. And here we are four years later and finally seeing it. And I think aside from the very first bit of dialogue of like internal dialogue, she says, Tim Drake. Yeah. This could have been a comic from four years ago. Sure. There's almost nothing in this book that is necessarily, um, 2016-ish. Right. Um, either in tone or anything else. Um, what did you yeah. guys think of the book? Uh, confession, I actually didn't read this because it didn't have Rebirth at the top. Oh, good. You're not missing much, Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fine. You know, like... It's okay. It, yeah. There, um, there's nothing inspiring about it. It's kind of just a classic, like... Uh, Raven gets thrown into a familial situation that she's not comfortable with because she's a gothic type character, you know, and like, uh, uh, it's just just a very traditional storytelling that you would expect from Marv Wolfman. It's not the Trigon, uh, Villains Month issue. Thank Christ. Right. Because that's like the worst thing I've ever read by Wolfman. Mm -hmm. Um, so just the fact that it's like an average uh, street level high school uh, era, you know, comic, there's um, kind of a relief. But it's not like I'm gonna, you know, I'll check in with it. But I, I, you know, I would almost strain to even call it a pirate because I just don't, I just don't care about this book. Yeah. Thankfully, to me, this feels just like look the... dam- just doesn't seem damaging, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. Uh, this just seems to me like the definition of a. Uh, we had it in the can. We're supposed <laughs> to release it. 
Like, let's just put it out now. There's, you know, to me, the only thing that stood out about the issue was how poor Wolfman is at writing teenagers dialogue. Like, yeah. every, half the things the teenagers say are like things he saw a meme about. Like, mm-hmm. OMG, major fail. Yeah. Someone calls their friend the bestest. Like, just like, it's just, just lazy old white men writing comics drive me crazy. Try writing young people comics drives me crazy. Um, but you know, yeah, it's, it's okay. There's nothing special. It wasn't, uh, it also had one of my, one of like a tried and true comic tropes, which it's not Uber. It's Yugo is the name of the, the yeah. like, driving app. Like, you know, there's a lot of, um, you, you know, what bothers me about that? Th- this is com. this is, um, big two comics in general. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they will like, explain this to me guys. Cause it have, it's happened for as long as I've been reading comics. Sometimes they will have to say that it's something else like you go instead of, instead of Uber or like soda cola. Yeah. I or like that Zest- one though. Or that's Zesty, like... the, uh, the other brand in the DC universe. Yeah. 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 But then other times, they totally just straight up say like HBO or something yeah. like, like yeah or like yeah, Twitter like, or having, yeah 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 so like I'm wondering it can't be a, a legal thing really is it just a stylistic choice maybe I don't know maybe it's some people like, like don't like to use real things because it like dates dates it yeah yeah but a fake yeah. Uber dates dates it as much as a real Uber does <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's just always been something that bugged me um, about comics in general. But, you know, uh, what you said, Brian, about this being like old white man writing young teenage girl, Mm -hmm. um, it made me think of – that's an example that I used when discussing the DC Writers Workshop Uh that they just announced the second round of. And I don't know how – we don't really need to talk about that, but – but man, I mean, if you look at that list and you see like the younger, more diverse group of people that they brought in to 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 learn under Scott Snyder, you know, um, those are the kind of people that should end up writing Raven, you know? Right. Like, I'm not trying to like Marv Wolfman deserves to write comics if he pitches something good, you know. But I, you know. Couldn't you do more with Raven than this? I mean, that's a character that has a lot of potential, and she's kind of been stuck with writers that don't suit her for a while now. Um, I'd, so I'd I like to see the influx of of new talent being given these kind of stories rather than the old guard. Especially because Mar- it it seems to me like this is the type of character where. You could be you. This could be a star-making turn for somebody, because you could do this amazing Raven story that no one knew they wanted. Sure. And I feel like there's a but if it falls on its face, it's far less dangerous from a corporate standpoint than giving somebody Superman and having that totally fall on its face. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the way I see it, any book, not every book has to be, but every book could be Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel, or Hawkeye, you know? Like, yeah. like we've we've done this Raven to death for a decade now. Let's get somebody that is, like, young and fresh and has new ideas and might take a completely different artistic turn with the character. 
or yeah. any of these characters that are you know that are getting these miniseries. Uh, that that's kind of a tangent though. Let's just um. Yeah, it, it's 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 a pulp for me, not necessarily due to the qualities, due to my interest level being nothing. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a pulp, but like it could have been so much more. Like you know, somebody who really wants they're starving for a Raven book and they're just going to read it no matter what, they're not going to be horribly disappointed. There's nothing. There's nothing really offensive here. Um, as far as uh, technical quality of it is fine, you know. It's yeah. just not. It's just not very interesting, and and I think we all kind of knew that that's what it was going to be. Yeah, I'll agree with that. All right, let, let's get to the the other soul number one this issue this week. Uh, Cyborg number one. We got the rebirth issue a few weeks ago. Um, this is an issue that I, I I think had a lot of good in it and a lot of not great in it. What did you guys think? Yeah, it was just... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I don't know. I mean, look. I'm a... Uh... <laughs> I was once called the Jazzbo by Black Francis of the Pixies. So I, I, I can't... I, I can't be uh, be hating on the idea of going to a jazz club. I, I do love jazz. And I like going to... See jazz and all that. I found that to be a weird like anchor emotionally for Vic. I kind of liked it. It was it took me a. I, I liked this book more the more I thought about it. I didn't love it when I was reading it in the moment. Um, I liked that there were some very human moments, and I'm using that word human specifically because we've been seeing the book really deal with the duality of Vic as a person and as a cybernetic creature. Um, but this book to me felt like the definition of trying a little bit too hard. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in that thought. Um. So I actually like this book quite a bit. Um, but I know what you mean by trying too hard. Um. Be- because I think like. So, so this was this was sort of halfway between a uh, average street level beat 'em up type book and like Trinity number one or Superman number seven, where it was like you know, seventy five percent of this issue is Vic trying to find himself. You know, mm-hmm. um, they spend a considerable amount of time on that, and it doesn't it doesn't all connect. You know. Uh, some of his like self-revelation seems to happen a little fast, you know. Yes. But I'm appreciating that it's going there. I'm appreciating that it's spending the time to do that. This book is breathing. It's it's these rebirth books are being allowed to breathe, and it's making for a better comic because of it. You know, like Cyborg could have easily been a five out of ten, and I feel like with the little little breathing that it's been able to do and, and kind of the self-discovery um, even if it takes a Bleeding Gums Murphy character <laughs> I love to, that by the way to, to guide him you know hey if it worked for Lisa Simpson it, you know why not for Vic Stone but um, but uh, uh, 
you know, it, it, it may, it creeps it up into like the six, seven out of 10 range for me, just because I want to see superhero comics do this more, you know? Um, if this were a new 50, if this were the new 52 cyborg, it would have been 75% of a, a fight scene, you know, and then maybe a little bit about Vic's familial relationship, relationship sprinkled in there, you know? But instead, they gave John Semper, like, the license to have, like, a three-page scene in a jazz club and have, like, Vic and his girl getting ice cream and having some, like, really cruel kids <laughs> say that Vic has no soul, you know? Like, <laughs> that was, that you know, like, it made me laugh, and so that's, like, an unintentional thing. I'm sure it wasn't supposed to make you laugh, you know? But, like... It made me sad too, you know. It's <laughs> like, a really awful thing for them to say, and uh, I, I just like that 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 the book is allowed to have these scenes um, and doesn't feel like it needs to be Vic versus another robotic character in a fight. Although we get that too, and he has a It'll, shitty name again. <laughs> but yes. Yep, yep. Speaking of a... uh, really yeah. bad names, did you guys see the solicits for the most recent the the most recent solicit for like uh, for for Cyborg? No, I didn't look. I, I saw it, but I didn't. It didn't stand out to me. What does it say? There, there's going to be a character introduced in, I guess, December named yeah. Sheborg. Oh, oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. Someone needs to get Semper like a, a rhyming dictionary or something to get <laughs> get away from this. Um. Uh, my one of my big takeaways from the issue was that like this book needs an editor and not in the way of like to keep storylines straight editing but like hey john you already did that there's like three instances in the book where cyborg basically says like i don't need what you're offering me because i have the entire world at my disposal like he says like why would i want to eat ice cream like i don't need to eat i don't need to turn food into fuel and then why i want to listen to music i have the entire world's music library like queued up like i just feel like mm. one of those is more than enough it just makes him sound like a dick mhm i yeah i don't know i don't know i mean i i i see your point but and it is it's ham fisted to have him say that three or four times, but at the same time, like it's 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 reinforcement for just how you know just how disconnected a a, a an aloof a, a cyborg could potentially be, you know. You just want him to have the tattoo on his head that says detached. Yeah, <laughs> nicely done. Let's move on from there. Um, yeah, so I, I'm going to pirate this book still. I'm interested enough in it. Even if he does sound like Mercury from the Metal Men, repeating himself all the time, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'll, I feel like I'm, I'm, I pull, I feel like I'm pulling a lot. Um, that shows that, that shows that you're interested though, that these, that these books are, are triggering something in you. Yeah. I wish there was something. I wish there was something that that uh, divided between like cream of the crop and pulling because I'm pulling this, but this is not like Superman, you know. Right. Um, this is not the cream of the crop, but I'm really happy that 
this book exists, and I'm happy that it's being allowed to exist in the form that it is, even with its storytelling flaws. That's fair. Like I'm, I'm delighted that they, that I'm delighted that John Semper Jr. came out of animation and is delivering a comic that's, that's that I think is actually pretty good. You know, like I'm glad this worked out in my mind. <laughs> I don't know, Zach. Yeah, this is pretty piratey for me. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does scream pirate, but I, I, I just there's something. Especially about because it. he could pirate every comic ever made with a touch of his hand. And just put it in my brain. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, um, okay, let's let's quickly discuss, and, and, and I say quickly because I feel like we could talk about this next thing forever. But let's quickly discuss the Night of the Monster Men, the first two parts of this crossover, running through Batman number seven and Nightwing number five. Wow, we're starting with a high here. All right. Yeah, I just feel like this is different than like checking in with the books. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I um, I have a feeling we're all going to be loving this crossover because, at least to me, it started off amazingly. Before we before we just gush for like the next ten fifteen minutes, <laughs> yeah. I did have kind of one issue with these first two issues. Get okay. out! Just in like how much exposition there was about like the current status quo, like mm. there were at least like across like the two issues, like three or four references to Tim, and like you know. There's just a lot of that, which I feel like you get in these kinds of crossovers because you have to get everybody caught up who may not be reading all of the books. Well, that Um, that was me. My point is that I feel like that's what kind of has to happen in this book, and that's not meant for the three of us, right? Right. Um, but no, otherwise, you know, commence the gushing. (laughs) (laughs) Um. This is this is the first uh, good issue of Batman that Tom King has his name on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now let's gush. Steve Orlando is he might he might be the best writer DC has right now. He's pretty close. I mean, he's got to be. I mean, at the very least, he's tied with some people. He's at least. He's at least top five, probably top three. Um, yeah, he's up there. Yeah, I mean, like, like he writes every character so well. He he seems to know who everybody is, who everybody should be. He writes Batman as a dick that you don't hate, you know. Whereas, like, when writers error in writing Batman, it's that he's a dick and you hate him, and he's like an irredeemable dick. You know, his Alfred right. sounded um, normal. <laughs> yeah, yep. he didn't. He did not sound very Ringo-ish. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, like this is. Oh man, where do you begin? First of all, I'm thrilled that this is like the Detective Comics team plus Dick 
across all of these books in this cross like like that that legitimizes that team that's going on over there and says this is the status quo of Batman right now you know right, right. yeah and they they they're all working together they're feeling like a team there's feels it feels like there's growth from the first arc of detective to their second arc together now like there's growth and not just because Tim died like you've like they all know their roles Yep. at this point and they're just like darting around the city taking care of their business keeping in contact with one another guys this is like this is like steph brown batgirl red robin streets of gotham era like this is my sweet spot this is ex- i never want this to end it, it is really good and like can we talk about how great riley rosmo is oh on, my god on- a Batman book. Oh, oh, this is the best Rosmo art I've seen. And I've read like probably almost everything he's done. I feel like he was like made to draw this story too. Like, yeah, it's at the perfect intersection of his talents. It has monsters and like gritty street level stuff. And yeah. Yeah. And Batman with like the short short ears. ears, Yeah. His head is like weirdly round and it's like, and his eyes are huge compared to like, he he almost looks he almost looks childlike at times which is a weird thing to say but it really gives it really gives batman a depth of character that we haven't seen in a while just just in his in his like eyes and the mask alone you know i like yeah all of his character designs are great i really like his batwoman oh his batwoman's great yeah um just all like and just looks awesome yeah yeah like and just the you know like how dynamic everything looks like there's a page look at that page um if you're on the digital version it's the 12th page the where batman is jumping into the bat plane Uh like just like how like fun that looks yeah 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 it's dynamic and fun and uh yeah You've got like that Attack on Titans monstrosity up at the top. Oh man, yeah. Just what a cool that that this book is allowed to exist. You know, like, mm-hmm. would there have been a, a kaiju monster Batman story in the New Fifty Two either? I mean, as good as those Batman comics were. No, do you? Well, you may recall <laughs> James James Robinson almost had a kaiju in Gotham story in Earth Two. Yep. Before it got nixed. Oh, I get, I get, yeah. I no, I didn't remember that. Now this, th- this is why I wanted to hold off talking about the tone of of the books this week. We're gonna get into Superman in a little bit, but to me, like, what, I feel like such a hypocrite, but I feel like I'm gonna really defend double shipping right now. I feel like because so many of these books are double shipping, there's a necessity to slow down the pace in some ways. Uh-huh. And also there's just the space to give like this this crossover, we can call it lots of things. It's a child of 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 necessity here. Like they needed to give the creative teams time between arcs, and so they devised this crossover and they got a really good writer and a really good artist to anchor it. They got an idea that dates back to the earliest Batman stories and updated it. 
and they tied in what's going on in the regular books to it. Like, this is the platonic ideal of a fill-in, uh, right? Like, how smart is this? Like, well, this that's is, what I mean. Like, this is... It's, like, brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we see this even in Superman this month. We'll get to that, like I said, in a minute. But Jorge Jimenez illustrates this issue that really doesn't have an, a narrative purpose outside of just being a great, like, moment with the Kent family. Sorry, the, the Smith family, whatever the name is now. <laughs> right. You know, but, like, but it's just that, and Green Lanterns this month, which Vince, we're going to have to, like, get him a wet nap to clean up his copy of it because he loved it so much. Um, like, I'm, I'm with you, Vince. It was it was good. I for the same like reasons, it, okay. for the same reasons I enjoyed Superman and Trinity. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like, but just, like, the fact that, that there is this, the fact that there is a need to fill space means that these stories are no longer discarded. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a real role for these stories in the comics right now. Right. Well, and it also like it gives like such potential for like fresh voices to come in in between you know the 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 main teams and tell like very unique, interesting stories. Like this almost feels like. A, a mini series, you know, that's taking place outside of the main books. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, you know what it feels a lot like. Um. Oh, I'm gonna forget the name of it now, but um. Oh, the cult, like Batman, the cult. Yes. Uh. Um. Drawn by uh, Bernie Wrightson, I think. Yep. Yeah. That that was in continuity. That took place like during the Jason Todd years, I think. Yes, it was. But it was its own. Like, I have it on my shelf right here. Sure, yeah. So, but I think it was its own miniseries. It was. It, it came out in prestige format. It slotted in. There were little, little nods to stories that were going on at the time, uh, and now it's now it sits on your shelf as a hardcover as a completely separate thing. But at the time, it also worked right in the status quo of Batman, and that's mm-hmm. what this is going to be. Someday, I'm going to have this on my shelf. Provided it doesn't like crash and burn over the next couple issues inexplicably, I'm gonna have it on my shelf as like a hardcover someday as a separate thing to remember a really interesting time in DC Comics that was slotted right in the middle of continuity. Yeah, it's it's such a it should not it should not work this well, right? <laughs> like this is so improbable. Well, I, I mean, I. I think this shows a couple of things. First of all, I think this shows that with proper planning, double shipping doesn't have to be a negative thing. I think it also shows that like this, I I know that there are some people, including some multiversity staffers who are upset that crossovers like this, mean you either have to not pick up your favorite book for a month or two or you have to pick up a bunch of books that you don't necessarily care about to fit in with the crossover but this seems to me to be modular enough that this can be yanked out of your reading of any of these books and while you'll miss something it's nothing that like an editor's note can't fix yeah yeah exactly but it's also like it's told and i think Honestly, like this is maybe the best way to handle this kind of crossover where you have a unifying voice tying the books together because then it's like, yeah, you may be having to pick up some books that you don't particularly care about, but 
they're going to feel a lot more like the book that you are picking up, you know? Yes. Like the, there's not that much difference in like tone and pacing between this issue of Batman and this issue of Nightwing. Yeah. It, yeah. it really feels like a, a separate thing, like a, a contained story rather than, you know, I, I feel like in so, so, well, no, never mind what I was going to say. That doesn't count. Say like, say like the, the super doomed thing, mm-hmm. you know, like each of those issues were, were part of an overarching story, but felt drastically different in, in tone and in terms of like the amount of information pertaining to the story. This, this is how you do a crossover. Yeah. And, you know, Zach, you weren't wrong to talk about the heavy exposition, but again, I feel like there's a lot of folks who are reading Batman who aren't going to be reading Detective, and so it's necessary to a certain degree. Yeah, and it definitely ho- is. And hopefully the exposition is interesting enough that it forces them to go back and pick up the stuff they've missed. Mm-hmm. You know? But anyway, um, I mean, I, I think regardless of how we feel about Batman, the series, we're pulling this crossover, right? Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, we'll 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 dive deeper in the future with these issues, um, but let's just do a real quick recap of the other books this week. Because... Can we just mention uh, Rose Antonio? Mm-hmm. Yes. Just, just oh man, on Nightwing. Yes. Um, because you know, following Rosmo is like an impossible thing to do, and I, I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of a different style, but. He's great too. I mean, still very good. Yeah, I yeah. also think it fits the Nightwing tone well. Like it's cleaner. It's a little bit more uh, fluid. I feel like it it fits the character of Nightwing. We're following him for more of the story, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out, though. Um, okay, we're just gonna go alphabetically here. First up is Aquaman by Dan Abnett and Scott Eaton. Um, I continue to really enjoy this book, even though there was a shove it up your blowhole line this week. <laughs> Wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, I, I like the Justice League ID card that just too. says that just says Justice League Aquaman, and then it's his headshot. Yeah. Like, uh, do they really need those? Apparently, that's the transporter thing. Okay. I mean, to be fair, there is a pretty lengthy barcode on there, so. <laughs> I think it would at least be like a QR code at this point. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Gotta have your, your Justice League ID memorized. Uh, yeah. Imagine what if Aquaman were modern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur, have iPad. Um, okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you know, again, this is not an earth-shattering book. Um, you know, there there's a lot of sort of easy targets this book goes after like that one military dickhead being like you know what? i don't like you you're progressive <laughs> I, I feel like that's just like such an easy thing to like you want to make somebody seem like an asshole make them not make them hate progress right like um but i feel like this just abnett just has a good grasp on who aquaman is and i'm really enjoying this book still what do you guys think yeah 
Yeah, I think it, it's like it's consistently like good, you know, just nothing like earth shattering, but enjoyable. It's kind of got what I see as intentional ebbs and flows. So like, oh, uh, so like high tide and low tide. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Um, but like this issue was kind of a kind of a low tide, not in a bad way. Just like this is Aquaman coming back to base, kind of talking it out with everyone, you know, before the next rise in action is going to happen. It's not any less quality, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a, and it's it's not the sort of like um, uh, quiet issue that's set apart from everything else, like Superman number seven was. Yes. But it's it's like a it's like the downbeat in in a greater story. You right. Know? This this still feels like like I know we kind of got um, like some closing action, falling action in last issue. Um, you know, a little bit of resolution, but this still feels like a continu- long, continuous story. Uh-huh. Um, so the pacing's just a little bit different than some yeah. of the other books, which is fine. Yeah. We don't have a lot of books like I guess this and Flash. Um, those are kind of the only ones that I can think of that have that are carrying their story, their initial storylines out. You know this far um so it's fine i think uh-huh. yeah i agree um green arrow this is a nice little you know wrap up to a two-part storyline i guess yeah um gosh clocks it's got to mean something there are so many uh-huh. clock themed villains there's a lot of clock themed villains there's a lot of images of the clock across all of DC Rebirth, it's specifically, it's almost always the clock with the Roman numerals that are exactly the Watchmen font. Yep. You know, like, that's where the Birds of Prey base is right now. It's in a clock tower that's basically the Watchmen clock. Um, So you're right, Zach. Like, the the clock is everywhere. The clock is ticking across the DC universe, don't you know? It is. Yeah. it's just it's going to be interesting to see where that all plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy to think about how often it's showing up. Yeah. Um, cause, cause what what about uh, uh, Deathstroke? What what character yeah. was that in that? That was uh, um. Not was it, was it Kronos? But... It wasn't Kronos, was it? No, 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 no. But uh, it was um. Or was it Clock King also? It might have been Clock King. Who was Cap- this? Who was in this issue? This Clock was Clock King. But they looked different. They looked a lot different. Maybe there's multiple Clock Kings. Maybe. Maybe well, I picked up on like, something that Uncle Rich hasn't yet. There's his own infinite Clock Kings. Batman had the Batman Rebirth had Calendar Man. Mm-hmm. Um, here I'm gonna have to go back and look. Was that in the Rebirth issue? Uh, it was in like it's been a thread in Death. I mean, I'm I th- well, I thought that character was like in the. I couldn't remember if he was in the first issue or the. Re- or you the talking Rebirth about Batman? Issue. No, no, Deathstroke. Oh, Deathstroke. Number yeah. one. I'm looking at it right now. I'm I'm finding it. Oh, here he is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, because he's like seven seconds out of phase with everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Clock King, I think, but 
did that happen during the flashbacks and maybe that's why it could be a it could be a different clock king or a different thought it was in the present okay i i'm i love that book but my memory is escaping me right now i'm looking at it now and i metal gear deathstroke metal gear deathstroke hell yeah zach i Man, I was hooting and hollering when I heard you on the podcast <laughs> last week say that. Oh. Um, Nobody says his name. I know. I was just going to say, no one's saying his name. It's Clock King. I know it's Clock King. Maybe it is. We're going to have so much dead air while we're doing this. Yeah, let's, let's move on. Um, Wait, you, you guys talk, and I'll Google Deathstroke Clock King. Okay. I mean, you know, th- this is... Guys, we're this... using the internet wrong right now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, you know, this was an absolutely fine comic. Um, I'm still a little bit... Yes, it was Clock King. Okay. Um, you got some explaining to do. We're just talking about how tight the continuity is. Rebirth, get your shit. I mean, together. I guess you can have more than one Clock King. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the um... Clock Boss. What was that? Clock Boss. Clock Boss. <laughs> um. We should we should do some research later. See if the same name. Anyway, who cares? Um. I feel like Green Arrow is good. I just feel like every issue, I'm like, oh, this is starting to get good. And then I switched, I'm like, oh, it's starting to get good, but it's not getting any better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, it's like right on the precipice of being great. And I don't think it's crossed over to that yet. But that's not, that's not necessarily a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm still liking uh, Stephen Burns' fill-in art at this point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I like having, having Emmy around in the book. But I will say that uh, I find her story considerably less interesting than what Percy had going on with uh, with Ollie and Dinah. Agreed. And I kind of wish we'd get back to that. Um, well, it sounds like we will. I think next issue it kind of like alluded to like getting back to uh, the island storyline. But yeah, and doesn't um, doesn't uh, what's his name with the incredible art? Come, come back. back i don't i'm not sure Otto schmidt Otto schmidt yeah thank it's you it's been a while since we've had a schmidt issue so i i wouldn't be surprised yeah. and he's I, now dc exclusive too so that's gonna mean we're gonna be seeing him on the book hopefully for a while yeah or other books or other books that's true um dc has been mopping up with exclusives yeah yeah well we were talking about this last week zach about the idea of vertigo becoming like a creator-owned house and Young Animal becoming kind of what Vertigo used to be. And so if you were to sign a DC exclusive contract, you could theoretically have a creator-owned book, a Vertigo-ish book in Young Animal, and a DC book. And, like, no other publisher can offer that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Green Lanterns, number seven. Sam Humphreys. And who did the art for this issue? Someone oh. I've never seen before, but I really liked it. Ronan Cliquet. Ronan Cliquet, which is a name I know I've seen before, but uh, I can't for the life of me remember where. Um, so and he was pretty good. Uh, yeah, the art was fine. nice in this book. Um, you guys really enjoyed this book. I was a little bit hot and cold on it. So what, tell me what it, what it is about it that you love so much. Boop. Uh, <laughs> boop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, there weren't any red lanterns in it. That was nice. That is mm. nice. There were like real character moments, and like it was fun. It was a little like ham-fisted at times, but yep. But like <laughs> the the art was not like so of this school that the first arc was, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean that like as, as kindly as possible, but this was just much better, much cleaner, yeah. yeah. And um and yeah, I just think, you know, this was another issue where the the whole thing it's just basically about baking cookies, you know. Yeah. The, and 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 the only thing I would say is that um I almost wish Simon and Jessica were like younger somehow because this is a story that's it's kind of weird to see like two grown adults spend an issue making cookies to but impress But I like it to... because it's like it's two like kind of malfunctioning adults, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I and I did find it incredibly charming. I just thought like I could imagine a lot of people reading this and finding it to be childish. Um See, that wasn't I, my problem with it at all. Okay. I I didn't think that, but uh but I could I could be like, well, you know, somebody this is going to be the dropping point for somebody when in well, reality Well, especially the the audience that the book was uh yes collecting yeah <laughs> this is Where, a hard hard left yeah. <laughs> whereas this is the my favorite issue of the series so far and actually i it stands alone so like you could almost like i almost wish that i were just checking in with simon and jessica for this issue alone and hadn't read any of the other crap <laughs> and won't read anything going forward you know Oh, it's just like you got you know Halloween and like I mean I know Detroit's not like a they are in Detroit no they are they in are they in Detroit they're or are Dearborn they in Dearborn okay so yeah it's probably Dearborn's not very big is it no it's a it's essentially a suburb, suburb? of Detroit it's, okay my brother teaches at the University of Michigan Dearborn okay okay so but you it's kind of, you kind of have that same like you know small town vibe that you get in some of the other books this week plus it's like oh man i just love fall and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just oh this this book had like a warm feeling to it it was comfy man it's so, comfy comfy as hell yeah i don't disagree with any of that i think like conceptually i really enjoyed the book i think that it's nice to these two characters do something other than you know um just complain about fighting and uh you know jessica being like i can't get a construct i have anxiety and that's all her character is is just like uh she's <laughs> she's essentially like uh, a kathy cartoon it's like, ah! Ah! yeah ah! just just like you know complaining about stuff and i think the character can be so much more than that um the dominators are coming Ack. yeah <laughs> well played um but I just felt like they haven't done enough to earn these moments yet. Does that make sense? Like if I cared if I cared one iota about these characters in this iteration, I'd have loved this book. But I've been like hate reading it for six issues, uh-huh. and now 
You know, it's just like it seems a little bit. You know, <laughs> this issue would have been so much better if the the first six hadn't been so aggressively bad. Well, see, I think for me, I feel like I can almost ignore those six issues and just go off of like the New Fifty Two mm-hmm. Simon and, and Jessica League. stuff. Like, I th- I feel like there's enough there to to kind of. It, with some like a little bit of mental gymnastics, I can I can slot this in after reading like Green Lantern and Justice League. Sure. The and 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 conversely, Brian, this is the first time I've cared. They've gotten me to care about Simon. So like, like I was actually like I actually wanted him to succeed, even though he's been portrayed as a dick up to this point. That's fair. All right, let's move on to Justice League, which wraps up this first arc, right? I think this is the end of the arc? Yeah, um, I believe so. Written by Brian Hitchell, shooting by Tony Daniel. Um, this continues to kind of be Grant Morrison light. Yeah. Which, okay. I feel like DC likes to do this kind of thing a lot. Do you think we are going to get an actual Forever Crisis book? Oh, yeah, I thought that same thing. I mean, it was bolded. Mm-hmm. And, like, DC just loves to tease the names of their events very far ahead of time. And it's been a while since we've had a real-life crisis. I hope not. I just feel like the crisis <laughs> thing needs, needs a break for a while. I I wouldn't mind it, but but as much as I've been enjoying Justice League, I hope it's not in Brian Hitch's hands. Yep. <laughs> you know, like I yeah I no I I'm wondering if maybe that's like whatever the Doctor Manhattan event is going to be called. See, and I hope it's I hope if they do do a Forever Crisis, do do, um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's something separate from the Watchmen stuff. I hope it's okay. a cr- I hope it's a crumb that's even further out. But I like okay. I like your thinking. I I hope we have I hope we've got stories that stack. You know what I'm saying? Like they say they have two years of they have rebirth is a two a story with a two year scope. I hope that either the Watchmen stuff comes on the back of one year, and something like Forever Crisis comes in the second year, or Watchmen is two years and. Forever Crisis is is a, a crumb of something that they don't even know what it is yet. Right. You know, two years down the road. Yeah. Um, this issue was my least favorite of the Justice League so far. I just felt like it was a lot crammed in here, and it wasn't all that interesting to me. I feel like one of the downsides of doing a Justice League book that is as um, large in scope as this is that somehow the scope makes it less makes the the um the stakes feel even less. Does that make sense like yeah. this is the biggest thing in the world. They couldn't possibly lose this fight. It well it also it didn't really make a lot of sense. No, it made no sense. <laughs> it was they they were all they were all winning on pure willpower. Like I don't know if you noticed that but like they they overcame this just by believing that they could. <laughs> right. Which is a very superhero eventy thing to do. It's fine. 
but it's not going to be very memorable. <laughs> Literally, the Green Lanterns were just reminded that their power was willpower and that the power that was being stolen from them was theirs. And they just had to think about that and they won. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This was, uh, this was, yeah. I mean, I agree. This is probably my least favorite issue of this arc, but I mean, I don't know how else to wrap something like this up. So that's true. Like, you know, let's pick it up and we'll move on. And I think it's fine. Like, I think this feels like the, like, first slotting in the, like, first few pieces of a puzzle. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I think Hitch has surprised us all. We've all had great things to say about this book. And I think this is just kind of like the first step in whatever he's building. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I'm still um, pulling this book. I'm probably pirating it, but that's I'll, okay. I'll say it's a strong pirate just because it's not I just don't feel it's on the level of uh my well, but I'm I'm pulling cyborg and it's like the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strong it's a strong pirate. I, I it's that's what I'm gonna go with. <laughs> I, I like I like this book. A I lot. feel like we need a purchase digitally option, <laughs> which is between pulling and pirating. Yeah, it's like it's like buy it when it like drops a dollar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. How yeah, the rebirth books don't do that. They don't do it at all. That? No, they, they, don't, they don't. Yeah, they stop doing that altogether. Interesting. No, I hadn't noticed that. And <clears throat> last and certainly not least. Superman number seven, written by Tomasi and Gleason, illustrated by Bill Jimenez. Nothing sorry, Jorge Jimenez. You forgot Harley Quinn. I'm sorry? You forgot Harley Quinn. Oh, we're not. Who's, who's in that book? Come on. <laughs> I think you're supposed to laugh at that, Brian. I just want to check in and say that it took three and a half issues, but that was my fill. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm done now. Just to let everybody know, because we've talked about that, you know. Mm-hmm. We, I said it was going to take a certain so amount of issues. Is a Harley coin? Does it take to drop yeah. the book? <laughs> Let's For Brian, ask. It's eight panels. Two, three, <laughs> a three and a half. <laughs> um, so somebody talked about Superman. I feel like I've been talking a lot today. Someone talked about Superman. And Jorge Jimenez. He's the best. Oh like, God! I mean, Patrick Gleason. Great, but man. You know what I love about Jorge Jimenez's art uh, when he's drawing Superman is that, like, it does the thing that Superman should do where there's there's action going on, Superman is in the middle of it, his attention is on multiple things at once, and there's a lot of shots of, like, him looking around, and he can hear every conversation that's going on around him. There's so many like conversations that are happening in the background of this book and Superman, like Clark is looking around and he just knows what to do. He's just like darting from place to place at times. And he still somehow has time to have a nice night with his family and cleans up a a petty theft. (laughs) And like the way that Jimenez depicts that balance of like, 
Clark noticing all this stuff and still, like, flawlessly having a family night at the fair is just so fluid and impressive. Um, he's really great. It Oh, man. It's just so fun. And I feel like he was the perfect artist for this issue. Yeah. Um, just for a night out at the county fair, you know? <laughs> yeah. I do know what county fairs are, guys. I know you think I live in this... Uh... <laughs> in this East Coast jaded uh, bubble or something, but I, I like the county fair as much as the next guy. I, I want you to come to the Minnesota State Fair. That's true. You've invited me. We can pig out. We can. But, uh, yeah, just, and like, and then at the end when, like, Lois figures out that... <laughs> that was the went, best. And she's got, like, the just anime... the best. She's got, like, the anime faces going on, you know? Yep. <laughs> like, oh, man, it's so... It's so good. And the whole time, John is just, like, blissfully unaware. <laughs> <sighs> oh, it was perfect. So, so good. I love the panel um, where they've gotten all the snacks. And at the top of the page, like, John just looks like a cartoon kid chowing down. And Clark looks like the creepiest creeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got, like, a goofy, creepy grin on his face. Like... <laughs> oh man, I I love that they had Clark apologize to that girl's dad for like being rude the other night. You know, yeah. Like, like again, this is a completely separate issue, but there's stuff in it that places it in a a time and place. Um, it's an it's an it's another example of the possibilities of continuity. I went through a phase where um where I thought continuity wasn't important at all. Like, just give me a good story, you know, whatever. But this issue is really proof that you can have it. This week of comics is really proof that you can have it all if if they work hard enough at it. Yeah. And, and this issue is like the ultimate result of that. It's so good. It was just so, so very good. I, yeah. I, could, I could use one of these every six issues, you know? Oh, man. It's just like... It's just, I, I you know if if Night of the Monster Men is an example of how you do a crossover, this is how you do a one-off. You know. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, it was just so fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's filler that's like meaningful, meaningful, and it's going to be memorable. Like, yeah, this is like it's like the uh, the driver's education episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> to, to alienate Brian, our Dragon Ball reference, <laughs> but it is. It's like it's, yeah. At the at the end of the year, we're gonna think about our favorite issues of DC Comics, and this is gonna stand out because it was like nothing else, and it was so good. I want to say too that Jimenez draws a great Justice League, like that opening sequence. He could carry an event book. Oh, yeah. I think. Oh yeah. DC's got talent up and down right now. I know. Yeah. They, they really did. I I mean, I don't know what got into them, but <laughs> they they pulled themselves out of a hole. Yeah. Let's see if they can keep it up. Um really quick, did you guys see the latest like sales data? 
how DC is killing it for August. Like, yeah, I mean they. Oh, it's like I I like was extremely skeptical coming into Rebirth, like just because we've had so many of these these kinds of relaunches with just diminishing returns. But this is at least like relative to where Marvel is right now. This is extremely impressive. Yeah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And so, it, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. So Brian and I were, we just had a quick little text uh, back and forth about how because I asked him yesterday if he read Monster Men yet, and he said no. Well, then today he texted me back and said Monster Men was great, you know. And and I just sent back, you know, like wow, DC's really killing it lately. And Brian was like, so how are they gonna fuck this up? You know, oh, I, I saw your tweet. Oh, really? Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, you saw that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I tweeted it. So, but maybe that'll be a good place to like. Can we have a quick discussion before we end this about like, where do we go from here? Like, do, like, like, how, like, how do they screw this up? So I have, I have two ideas. I've been thinking about this a lot, and and, and these aren't the joke ideas we were sending each other back and forth either. <laughs> um. I feel like one of the big desires from all three of us and from DC in general is that there's going to be a second launch of books. And we're excited about the idea of a Shazam book mm-hmm. or the idea Legion. of a Legion book or whatever. And I want those books very badly. I kind of want a year of just this, though. Like, I kind of think that maybe these books, you know, throw in JLA and Super Sons and then kind of let it be for a year. And just really let, because imagine, think about how rich the universe feels right now. And we've been at this for three and a half months. Like, give this another nine months and we're going to have this incredibly rich tapestry. And it's not going to feel cheap when Superman talks about... Because to me, the way to bring the Legion in now is through Superman. Because this is the Superman who was the Superboy in the Legion. <laughs> so, like, that's how you bring him in. But, like, it's going to feel weird if you do that in, epi- in issue 11. If you do that in issue 25, that feels way more earned. Oh, yeah. And so, like, keep it going. You know, I, I would part of me thinks that they're going to be canceling some stuff that shouldn't be canceled... Or they're going to be just, we're going to be back up to just as many titles as we were before, and there's double shipping and all that. I feel like this is a good, and look, I am never this guy. I'm always the guy that's we more, more, more. I feel like this is a good, manageable size right now. Like, keep this going. I say that partially because we have to read all these books every week. <laughs> but, like, but in my heart of hearts, I feel that way. Like, this is, this is, there's so many important pieces of the DC Universe being used really well right now use a year to fine-tune this fix the lantern books in this year um you know get the watchman thing out of the way let that happen and then after that let every let everything unfold a little bit Mm -hmm. that that's how i think they're gonna mess it up or there's going to be a like one month dip in sales or even a consistent dip in sales, and they're gonna they're gonna DCU this all over again. Yeah, because there's always a, sales always go down. Of course, it's, 
Entropy. It's entropy. I mean, it's just the, it's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Zach, do you have any thoughts on that? I. Re- <sighs> I I get what you I I see where you're coming from, Brian. I'm interested to see like how they stagger the next wave, um, because the only book we know about so far is JLA, and that's coming in February. And I believe Super Sons is supposed to be the same month. Okay, okay. But we, we don't. We but don't that have... was one of the that was one of the first wave ones as well, like initially announced. Right. So it's not. It's like nothing. Those are both actually. I guess like initial announcements. Earth Two as well, which we still haven't seen. Yeah, which we still don't know anything about. Um, yeah, that's right. So, which yeah. like Earth Two is still going? Like, who knows when that book is ending? Right, but it's um, gonna be like the classic Earth Two. Yeah. Right? So supposedly, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, which like we at least know there's gonna be a classic JSA. We don't know if it's gonna be a classic Earth Two book or not. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah. Um, as far as like sales dropping, um, I'm interested to see where they kind of settle because I mean, like, so. So last month, Batman number five, the drop off between four and five was about ten thousand issues, and it's still hovering. It's hovering around like the mid hundred thousands. Like that's very high, and I'm sure like a lot of this benefits from the double shipping. Like people, um, like shops ordering twos at two at a time, basically. Um. I don't know. This is just this is like a totally different animal. It's really hard to kind of track this, I feel like. Yeah. Harley Quinn's the best selling book for August. <laughs> well, you know <sighs> I it's hey, it you know, it might not be for us, but I No, no, I think it's great. Like Yeah, I do think it's a quality book. I mean no. it's just not yeah. It's, it's great. Too- it's too much. Oh, but I, you know, it's good. I mean, good on them. Like I, I rebirth, you guys know, I was pretty down on rebirth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that. Was, to it. Yeah. I was surprised by that. Um, but like, it could not have been like a, a nicer surprise. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many books do we actually like, dislike or even just feel ambivalent about you know the green lantern books both of them or at least for me both of them <laughs> yeah yep. i mean i would i would be safe in saying that too um like those two uh for me it's like those two probably like harley quinn no i'm like in on batman even though it's like crazy <laughs> like i would read that book even if we weren't doing this podcast i want to know what's happening um, Action Comics is is bordering on that for borderline. me. Yeah, like yeah. for me, probably like uh, Birds of Prey and yeah, um, Birds of Prey. That one's like hovering for me. It's probably in like about the same place as Action Comics. Um, so so maybe like five or six. Yeah, or? yeah, just like a handful. Yeah, out of a a line of, you know, gosh, how many Rebirth books do we have now? It's probably like in the thirties at least, right? Maybe yeah. even 30s. I was I was gonna say 30. It's like low 30s. I thought. Well, it, I want to say they're still shipping something close to 52 books a month. Uh huh. But just you in, know, incorporating the the double. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. 
Yeah. It I I'm just I'm just really pleased at the way things are going and um Yeah, DC released seventy five comics in August, but that also includes like Vertigo stuff. So yeah. and mini series. And mini series, yeah. And and non rebirth DC books. Right. Which are still trickling. Mm-hmm. Which again, Doctor Fate came out this week. Yeah. And again, that's a really good book that I hope people are are reading still. Right. I think I think there's only one issue left. Two. Two? Okay. I, I believe it ends with eighteen. And then we just get sixteen? We yeah. got sixteen. Right. But the last page at the, the caption at the bottom said uh, next issue, the end? Right, but it, mark, yeah, so. it's not though, because I I had reported in my soliciting column like about it ending and then it didn't end. So okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's eighteen. Is yeah, I thought it ended on an even number. Okay, um, okay. And then yeah, and then we still like we have our two still going. Um, for who knows how long? I think I think it was still in the the December solicits, and I don't think it was like a final issue notice. Let's see. Uh, yeah, number nineteen, still trucking. Oh, did you guys see the um the theory that uh Ted Cord is operating with Jaime from Mister Oz's like uh oh. purgatory or whatever? No, I did not see that. I I don't know what I feel about that theory because I I thought. It was clear that, like, he, like Jaime knew where he was and he was like reachable, but that could be maybe I just assumed that. I've also seen a theory that that's where um, Ray Palmer is. Oh, because uh-huh. isn't it in U- DC Universe Rebirth that Ray Palmer's gone missing? I believe so. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, yeah same. Um, but. <laughs> I I had a theory that this team is like or I didn't have this theory, I heard it. That this team is being assembled to be the quote unquote new watchman <laughs> team. It's so like watchman team with Doomsday on it and Tim Drake. So let's see. There's how DC screws it up. There you go. Yeah, yep, yeah. there you go. But but let's let's put this together. So Tim would be Night Owl, obviously. Yeah. Um, Tombstay would be. <laughs> See, it falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Moloch. He's he's like Doctor Manhattan, only like dumbest brute force, brute force instead of you know like intellect. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of thinking like I was I was <laughs> listening to you guys on the podcast, and I was on my drive to work, and I was thinking like. What if this team that Mr. Oz has trapped is like the Avengers and Doomsday is the Hulk, then who is Tim? I'm like, is Tim Captain America? Yeah, then Tim's Captain America, Ray Palmer's Iron Man. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Um, Lois Lane is uh, Silk Spectre. Wait, Lois Lane. There's a theory that she was grabbed by Mr. Oz if she's not dead. Oh, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, in that I wouldn't be surprised. 
Um, I've seen Phil Jimenez in a number of places say Lois is apparent demise. Now, I don't know if that's just him covering, you know, covering up the mystery or if uh, if she's really still around. I think she's really... still around because he. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you got it. I was just going to say, I think she is still around because a common theme, like whether it was um, Tynion talking about Tim or him talking about Lois, a common theme is that they're all saying, you know, trust me. Like, Lois Lane fans, trust me. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tim Drake fans, trust me. You know, just trust me. Give me time. So I feel like it's either the exact same situation where Lois is really the same fate as Tim right now or just a similar thing where down the road Lois is going to return through some uh, machinations of the story you know mm-hmm. yeah that's a book that like and again like I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because you know it's not it didn't come out this week but that's a book that book being Superwoman yeah Superwoman okay. Um, feels like it it <sighs> It's the book that I feel like could be canceled at any time because it because it its story feels so um not that it doesn't have anywhere to go but just so so much of it is is um like 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 Lana's powers like some of the more recent solicits have like indicate you know hinted Vo- at the, that they're killing her that they're yeah she's, it's all yeah that's actually the perfect word for it the book is very volatile you know mm-hmm. um which makes it honestly like one of the reasons i think it's the most exciting is it can literally go like anywhere right. i have no I, I don't know what to expect um i do love that it is the supporting cast in that book so much and i feel like the supporting cast is what grounds the volatility sure I can see that. Oh, man. Well, we were going to keep this one short tonight, guys. Yeah, we were. <laughs> but uh, we're... Guys, we're high on Rebirth. Yeah, we are. It's great. It's. I feel like a kid again. I yeah, really so do I, actually. With, with comics, I definitely feel like a kid right now. I, I was playing uh, Lego Batman, the game, earlier because I'm on such a DC high right now that, like... <laughs> I, I do. I want to spend time. Like I just, I played a level where it was like, uh, you know, Batman and Martian Manhunter jumping around a circus. <laughs> that like you know that where the Joker was, and it's just like, God, this is this is. I feel like a kid again, you know, and it's all because of Rebirth. Well, that's a great thing. Yeah. So. Please get in touch with us. Let's talk about comics on Twitter. You can talk to me at Brian Needs an App. Uh, I'm at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I. And I'm Sir Fox 89. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, there's talk of a special guest. We'll see. Um, but have a good one, guys. Good night. Hey,